Last week we finished up chapter 5 and we learned that there is a battle taking place in every believer between the flesh and the Spirit of the Lord. Now, every believer has that struggle. If you have that struggle and you're struggling, you can begin by tackling the struggle by rejoicing. Because the fact that you do struggle with your flesh is, a, 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 is evidence of your salvation. Okay? If there is not a struggle in your life, then there needs to be some serious thought to why there's not a struggle in your life. If there's not a desire to do good, if there's not a desire to please Jesus, if there's not a desire to pray, if there's not a desire to be in the Word, to study the Bible, to look at the Bible, to read the Bible, if there is not a desire for connection with other believers, there's a warning there. You need to, need to think about that. If you know people that there is no desire to do any of those things, there's no struggle to do those things, there's no craving for the things of the Lord, there's not any real desires for spiritual things, you don't need to teach them morality. You don't need to lord over them. You don't need to tell them what they ought to be doing and, and talk about their faults. What you need to be doing is sharing the good news about Jesus with them. Because teaching morality only helps to a point. And being a good moral person cannot defeat envy, cannot defeat jealousy, cannot conquer anger in a person. You can't be good enough to not have that struggle with anger, with the sin of anger that is in control of your life. So, Every believer struggles. That's good news. Every believer is going to be at war between the spirit and the flesh, and it's going to happen for the rest of your life. That's good news. If there's not a struggle in your life, that's a warning. You need to wonder why. You need to think why and, and come to terms with whether or not you have a personal relationship with Christ. Because if you have a personal relationship with Christ and you have been born of the Spirit, you're not religious, you've been born of the Spirit, and you have become a new creation, you're going to have a struggle. Every believer struggles. Now, I know that a lot of believers act like they don't struggle, but they do. They're lying. Everything's always okay. Everything's good. Why? They're perfect. And, and, and they work real hard to be perfect whenever they're around other people they go to church with. But no one is perfect, and no one has got that going on. No one is free of struggle. They may not realize it, but they're not free. And if you're not aware of your struggle, man, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of teaching that needs to happen. There's a lot of spiritual work that needs to be happening to bring a person to realize that there is indeed a struggle and they're blind to it. And so that mindset, that understanding that, that Paul is laying out there for us carries over to chapter 6. Sometimes when you're looking at a Bible 
reading the Bible and, and you see the change from a chapter to another chapter, it doesn't mean that it's a new topic because some of the chapters might just be in the wrong place, right? May just be put in, it should have been later on. And, and the chapters are, are not what's inspired, it's not, the, 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 the chapters are just man's idea, and it helps us go to places and read different words. But chapter 6 and chapter 5 ought to be the same chapter, in my opinion, because the conversation carries along. It just turns into a little more application than the understanding that you had there at the end of chapter 5. So, let's start with chapter 6 now. Brothers. Now that word can also mean brothers and sisters, okay? So don't get carried away with that, ladies, and think, well, they left this out. No, the word could be brethren. It could be the people of the Lord. So, but in this case, it says brothers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor." For each will have to bear his own load. So verse 1 tells us, there's always going to be people of faith that are going to be overwhelmed by their struggle. There's always going to be Christians that lose battles. The war has happened. The battle has taken place between our flesh and our spirit. We're not always going to be on the winning side. The conflict is going to take place. We'll have times that we're walking by the spirit and we're having victory over the struggle. And we are mostly on the positive side of the struggle. But there are going to be times... And there are going to be people that we are associated with that are brothers and sisters, part of the family of God, that are going to lose the struggle. It's always going to be with us. So we've got to be understanding of that, and we've got to be aware of that, and, and we've got to respond. And the Bible here tells us who should respond. And so the idea, if someone is caught in any trespass, trespass now that's sin. That trespass is another word for sin, those sins that were listed in chapter 5. They were running well. They were doing well. They were winning some battles. They were growing in faith, love, hope, gentleness, and joy. They were growing in the spiritual fruits. They were making progress. They were beginning to deal with the battle they have with envy, with jealousy, with anger, whatever it might be, sensual sins. They, they have some sexual sins that, that have plagued them most of their journey in the Christian life. And, and they, they finally get to the place to where they're not looking at pornography anymore. They're, they're not lusting as much as they used to. And, and they're mostly having some victory over those sins. 
and they're rocking along, and then boom, it happens. They're overwhelmed. They're overcome. This sin takes over and, and, and overwhelms them, and, and they find themselves losing the ground of living by the Spirit, losing the ground of being obedient to the Lord. And, and Paul is letting us know that it's going to take place. We ought not to be surprised by it. We ought not to be fooled by it. All of us know someone just like that. We all used to go to church with someone. We, we used to have a fellowship with them. They may have been in our Bible study class. They were faithful. They were winning some battles. And, and they would say to their life that mostly they're walking by the Spirit, but then something happens. It's an event. It's, a, it's an emotional event. It's a it's, it's, it's something that really does grab a hold of them, and it shakes them, and they simply lose their way. And, they, and, and in our day and time, in, in the Christian people that we're around, there is a common denominator when people are overwhelmed by sin, by their flesh, by their fleshly cravings, they hide. They hide. We ought not to be surprised by that. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid, and people hide. They hide out of shame. They hide out of embarrassment, right? They hide, and they drift away. They stop going to church. They stop going to the Bible study. They used to be really involved in the men's group. They used to really be participating in ladies' ministry. They taught Sunday school. All those kind of things, you can add it up. There was a time that this individual was serving the Lord, and now there's no spiritual activity taking place in life. This is what this is describing here. This is, descri this is describing a believer that has been caught in a transgression, caught, trapped, overwhelmed, burdened, beyond their ability to walk free of it. Burdened. A heavy, heavy weight. That's what burden means. It means a weight. That's what happened. The Scripture tells us that when anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You who are spiritual, what does that mean? What does it mean to be spiritual? Well, some suggest that it means that you are mature in faith. I, I, that's what it means. You're mature in faith. But let's go a little deeper than that. What does it mean to be mature in faith? It doesn't have anything to do with knowledge. We understand that. Some people believe that the more Bible knowledge you have, the more mature you are in Christ. And that may, that may not necessarily be the truth. That may not be the way it is. There are people that have lots of Bible knowledge, and they're a long way away from producing fruit. They're some of the meanest, most cynical, judgmental people there is. So it's not longevity in the faith. It can be if they're obedient to the things of the Spirit, 
But if they're not obedient, it's not knowledge. It's maturity. It's obedience. It's a tender heart. It's that you're, they're mostly, mostly walking in the Spirit. That's what it means to be spiritual. And so when you look at the battle between the flesh and the Spirit, a spiritual person is someone that's having more victories over their flesh than they're having losses over their flesh. That's what it means to be spiritual. Some people are born again on Monday, and they become the most spiritual person in the room on Tuesday because it's the condition of their heart. And so to be a spiritual person, it's got to do with the condition of the heart, the condition of the mind, the condition of their will. And it says, you who are spiritual. So this restoration or reconciliation ministry is not for everyone all the time. It's for some people some of the time, those who are spiritual. It says here, you do it in a spirit of gentleness, always in a spirit of gentleness. I think back to John chapter 21. Peter had denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. And then we have that great scene on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus makes breakfast for the disciples. Little, little fish. He barbecues a little fish for them. And he says to Peter, they're having a conversation. Remember, Peter says, Lord, is that you over there cooking that fish? <laughs> and, he's, you know, he goes over to see, he gets out of his boat, walks up there to see Jesus. He's a broken man. He's a fallen man. He's a man that lost the battle between the spirit and the flesh in real difficult times in Jerusalem. And man, he had shame, Peter did. You remember that when he made eye contact, when they took Jesus in, he just broke down. His sorrow was beyond his ability to, to hold on to. He was just broken. And Jesus has a conversation with him, and it goes like this. Do you, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He said, no, no, do you love me, Peter? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? I got you. Then he said, then feed my sheep. Get back active. Get back on your assignment. Get with it, Peter. I restore you. I reclaim you. You are reconciled. He did that gently. He did it gently. The Lord didn't say, I'm not cooking any fish for you, you loser. How dare you run away when I needed you the most? I'm disappointed in you, Peter. I was counting on you, Peter. Man, I, put, I spent all this time with you. Was it a waste of time? You know, everyone said I made a mistake by choosing you to go follow me, and they're right. You have embarrassed me, you sorry rascal. No fish for you. Nah, he didn't do that, did he? He restored him. He welcomed him. Jesus understood what was taking place in his mind. And he, he gave that three wonderful, denied Christ three times, and then those three statements of reconciliation. 
That's a powerful thing the Lord did for Peter. Restore people in a spirit of gentleness. Now, here's what I know. When I've messed up, I've messed up, and I know I've messed up. I don't really need a lot of people to tell me I've messed up. I know it. When you mess up, you know you've messed up. We get it. It's not going to do any good to yell. I don't know how many disciples are made by being yelled at, how many are reconciled by being yelled at. I'm not sure how that works. And so we who are spiritual, who are mostly walking by the Spirit, we who are spiritual, mostly walking by the Spirit, we are to reach out to those who have fallen, who have lost some of the battles with their flesh. We restore gently, kindly. We're on their side. We're not against them. We're going to reach down no matter how deep they're buried, and we're going to pull them on up. Now, there's a warning here. Keep watch on yourself. When you're in this, you say, I need to reach out to so-and-so. I, I've been noticing so-and-so hadn't been coming to church or Bible study, or they're just not around anymore. Let's, I need to reach out to them. It says, keep watch on yourself. So have some self-awareness, okay? Lest you too be tempted. Lest you too be tempted. So if there's a possibility of them influencing you more than you influence them, don't do this. That's what the Scripture tells us. Young people, listen. Missionary dating, no. Missionary dating, not a good idea. You know what a missionary dating is? You're going to go out with that boy or girl to restore them. Wait. Go out with someone that doesn't need to be restored and enjoy their company and, and work with the other people outside of that connection because there's a chance you're going to be fall with them. Okay? So that's, what we, that's the mindset we've got to have. Keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. So in that missionary dating, do it outside of a relationship. Don't get connected, don't get involved, where you'll be tempted and fall as well. Now, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. He just lays it out there. The church is to bear one another's burdens. The church is to help one another. That's who we are to be. Inside the house of the Lord, there is to be grace. Outside the house of the Lord, where God's people gather and connect with each other, relate with each other, there is to be grace. There is to be love. And by all means, there is to be forgiveness. That's what verse 2 says. Bear one another's burdens. And if we bear one another's burdens... It says we fulfill the law of Christ. Man, there you go. There's one place you can know you can please the Lord. We know we can please the Lord by faith. We know we please the Lord when we love unconditionally. And here we see here that when we will bear burdens, help them out, support them, strengthen them, then we please Christ. We please Jesus.
when we bear one of the burdens. So the body of Christ is to be made up of people who bear burdens. Now, you have to be willing to bear someone else's burden. You have to be strong enough to bear someone else's burdens. That's important. On the other hand, as a believer who's fallen, you have to be willing to let other people bear your burden. And there's a struggle on both ends of that. Not wanting to get involved, and the other side is not wanting anyone to be involved. I want to keep them at a distance. I don't want anybody at the church house to know that I have lost some battles. Yeah, that's not the place to be. That's not a healthy place to be. And, and that's not healthy for believers in Christ. We need to be willing to help, and we need to be willing to receive help. That fulfills the law of Christ. Now, verses 3, 4, and 5. This is really kind of interesting. When you read in the Bible, in context, we're talking about, you know, people are going to be overwhelmed by sin. That's verse 1. And then we've learned that we are to bear one of the, another's burdens. That's to be the, the body of Christ. Then you see, tag with that, right up there next to it, in the same teaching, don't think of yourself more important than you are. Check your ego. That's what it says. There's got to be a reason for that. Why is that included there? Why did Paul insert that? Well, over, I think the clear answer for that is this. People, believers, who carry other people's burdens become a real problem. Isn't that weird? So you mean to tell me that people who do the right thing, who recognize that someone is hurting, and they reach out and they carry their burden, that they often become a problem? That's what Paul says. They become arrogant. They become obnoxious. They become, you know, they think they're superior to other people. They're not any fun. They become egomaniacs about it. I'm better than them. I help them. Let me tell you something. I help that old boy right there. I'm really something. I'm really special. Well, let's see what he has to say here. Verse 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's a good verse right there, isn't it? Let me just read it to you. Just take care of what it says. If anyone, if any of us in here thinks he is something, if you think you are something, when in reality, you're not really anything. You're really nothing. You're deceived. If I think I'm something when I'm really nothing, I'm deceived. I'm blind. i got a blind spot to it. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying, Lee Brewer, if you think you're extra special because you're a pastor of a church, you are absolutely deceived. But, I, but Lord, I'm better than those people. No, you're not. You're not better than anyone. But Lord, no, no, no. Do you have a struggle, Lee? Yes, Lord, I have a struggle. Is their struggle different than your struggle? Well, Lord, you know, I'm kind of special. No, 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 you're not special at all. 
Your struggle is like their struggle. Their struggle is different than your struggle. Their struggle may be more intense at this period of time than your struggle. But Lee, you struggle with a lot of things. You have no business carrying other people's burdens and forgetting about your own struggle. See, that's what he's saying here. You see what happens when Christian people help other people and then brag about it, then, then show off about it, then walk around like a bammy rooster about it, go, oh, look at me, man, I'm arrived, my family's perfect, my church is better than your church, my, look at me how I do things, man, I, I'm really all that. He's going, no, no, you've lost sight of your own struggle. And what Paul is saying here is, if you've lost sight of your own struggle, and you think you don't struggle, and you think that, that you're better than other people, you're not. That's what he says. And so there are going to be people, there'll be people just like us. It's going to be some of us in here from time to time. We're going to help someone. We're going to carry a burden, and we have the right mindset about it. We've got the right spirit about it, and we do so. But after we do it, we think we're better than other people. That's what Paul says. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But look what it says. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself and not in his neighbor. So he says to us, you can have self-awareness, and you can say to yourself, you benefited that guy. That's okay. But don't let it jump outside of you and become an ego thing. Don't lose sight of your own struggle. All of us are strugglers. We all struggle. Some of our struggles are easier hidden than others. Some of our struggles are easier to manage than others. But we all struggle. And we have to keep that in mind if we're going to fulfill the law of Christ and carry each other's burdens. You can't think you're better than anybody else because you're not better than other people. That's what he's saying here. And so that warning is for a purpose, right? And so Paul obviously understood. God obviously understood. It's going to be a problem with real good people. It's going to be a problem with burden bearers. They're going to think that they are everything. And he says, look, we're all responsible for our own walk. We're all responsible for what we have in our life, for each will have to bear his own load. So a few lessons to throw around from the last two Sundays, perhaps. Keep in mind, all believers struggle. And if you're sitting there looking at someone else across the aisle, or you're thinking about someone in the body of Christ, or another believer you know, and you think, well, they, they don't struggle. Yes, they do. They struggle. Remember I told you about Avery Willis. No way in the world he would struggle with all the Bible knowledge he has, with all the things the Lord did through him and for him and with him, there's no way in the world that guy struggled. You remember I said he struggled with pride and how he treated his wife by his own words. 
all believers struggle. Struggle is different in every believer. Very few times can you really come together and find people with the same struggle, identical struggle, and with the same intensity. It's almost like a fingerprint. We all got different struggles. Got to keep that in mind. And if we're going to help other people, if we're going to carry burdens, and the Lord is going to work in your life by His Spirit for you to carry other people's burdens, we've got to keep our own struggle in mind. Why are you helping me like this? Man, I hurt too. I struggle too. I've lost some of the battles along the way. Man, I really appreciate, man, you're really a good believer. You're really strong. No, 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 no. I struggle too. I'm just here to help you at this time because I know there's going to come a time where I'm going to need your help. So what does it mean to carry a burden? How do we work through that? Sometimes carrying a burden is financial. That's a way to help people with burdens. It's not always financial. Sometimes it's a listening ear. Sometimes it's babysitting. Man, if there's a young family in the body and they're struggling, if they haven't had a date with each other very, very long, you know, and, and, and you can see the young mom, the mop mom, mothers, the preschoolers, every mop mom needs a break, right? Now, when you get older, one of the things that happen, young moms, is this, you know, I don't know why you're struggling with your three rugrats because we've been having rugrats for thousands of years. I started to say million, but the young planet Earthers might get upset with me. But we've been having kids a long time. Man, you know, what's it in it? No, 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 that's not the mindset, right? That's not where you go. But it, carrying their burden, they say, hey, you know, you got three little ones, two little ones, or just one real bad one, you know? <laughs> you know, you, you need a relief. It, you might, some of us older folks, we, we just might say, hey, why don't you bring those kids over house? We'll put on Bugs Bunny if that's allowed. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's allowed anymore. Uh, but we'll put on, you know, I'm, that Tasmanian devil, certainly not allowed now. Woo, that boy is something else. I like that Tasmanian devil. He was my favorite. But we'll keep the kids, we'll feed them, and y'all just go out. That's carrying a burden. It may be, it may be marriage counseling. It may be, you know, refereeing fights might be at some times. It, it may be, you know, going with someone to AA, going with someone to celebrate recovery, being a friend. It, it can be all kinds of things that's carrying a burden. It, it, it may be just you being there with them. Just being there with them. You know, when people lose loved ones, there's nothing better than presence. You don't got to say a whole lot. Matter of fact, it's probably better you don't because most of us will say the wrong thing at the wrong time and, and with the wrong meaning because we want to really help and there's nothing really to help. Remember in the book of Job, that when Job lost his family, there was a, a, a sitting shiva. And the Jews do that. You know what it is? They sit around with each other for seven days and don't say a word. 
don't say a word. So just get your backpack, put some Duluth Trader underwear in there, you know, and, and get yourself all fixed up and go over to their house and say, I'm just here to help. I'm going to sleep in the garage for seven days. Our culture might kind of wince at that. But that's the idea. Practical, practical help. In caring burdens, in burden bearing, grace is required. Grace, grace. We all have a burden. Keep that in mind. We all need God's grace. Keep that in mind. The person that has been caught in a trespass is not worse than us who have not been caught in that trespass. The person that carries a burden of someone that's been caught in a trespass is not, is not better. That's what Paul is saying. Lord, may your will be done today. I pray, Lord, that you just raise up some burden bearers in our congregation. I pray, Lord, that we will have the right spirit, we'll have the right mindset, that we will go about it in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.